If you're interested in having sessions or certification training, go to pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Thanks for watching and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Katish. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Mark. So this is Katish Haberfield. She's a spiritual regression therapist, which means she practices modalities like past life regression between lives. And she's a specialist in spirit releasement therapy and working with star seeds. She's a psychic medium, podcaster, and author. So you can find her at her website, katish.com. Her YouTube is Katish Haberfield. Her podcast is The Infinite Life. And her IG, The Infinite Life Podcast, has got details for that as well. So thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's great to see a spirit releasement therapist uh, and specialist. So I thought we could start by going through some of your background. So in order to become a spirit releasement therapist, that pretty much means some things must have happened at a personal level in your, in your life. People don't sort of wake up one day and think, what am I going to do? It's something that happens to us and we have to figure it out and go through it. And so and that enables us to process it and overcome it. And if we're healers, that can then give us the tools that we need to help other people. And we then often find as we develop in our career that our specialties attract certain types of people to us. And for you, that's uh, star seeds quite a bit. So uh, can you just begin by telling us a bit about you know, how you use our modalities together? So spirit releasement as a, as a headline. But, but how would you describe the, the combination of modalities that you use? Mm. Well, spirit release is, is, is kind of like an interesting topic, isn't it? It's not something that you do think, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a spirit releasement therapist. Uh, it came for me by examining my own life and thinking, why is it that people find me too intense? What is it about my energy that people don't seem to gel that well with? And why do they think I'm a little bit too much? Um, I came to the crux of my situation in understanding who I was um, and why people reacted interestingly to me. Because I went, I, I, I don't know if you remember, at the start of COVID, there was a new social media app called Clubhouse, which was audio only. Yeah. And so I was like really tired of Facebook at the time and I was hanging out a bit on um Clubhouse and I was doing mainly sound healing at that time. And so I thought, well, audio only, perfect. I'll go in and I'll learn Clubhouse. And I went into a Clubhouse room and my intention, I set my intention. I was like, I've come into this one because I want to learn about what they're talking about. And I came into the room and it shows you when people come into the room with the little icons. And the moderator said to the person that entered the room, this is my domain. I request that you leave. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I know that I'm the only person who just entered the room and I entered with a pure intention. What's that all about? And it kind of really shook me, you know. Um, and I had been watching people say, oh, you know, um, you've got quite intense energy. And I had been watching my journey of my physical features over time. And my physical features and the way I look has varied dramatically over the last 20 years uh, I go from having really really short uh, dark brown hair to what the blonde that I have now and I noticed that the, since childhood there were specific haircuts that kept recycling through um, my lifetime and that my personality seemed to change with different haircuts so when I have blonde hair I'm very 
positive and upbeat and I feel confident and uh, extroverted. When I have dark hair, I feel like I'm hiding. Um, I'm stepping back and I don't want to be around. I don't, I want to retreat from life. So I was um, in some Facebook groups and I came across a lovely husband and wife team who were doing some energy healing. And so I went in with their groups and I really enjoyed their energy healing and they did some private sessions with groups as well. And so I was in the private session group and um, they're the kind of people who can see past lives just instantaneously. So they tap into your energy field, do quantum healing, understand your past lives. So they did some pretty spot on past life reveals that I then was driven to go and do uh, my own uh Akashic records to to prove them because they were so spot on and there were things that I thought that were me my entire life. But one of the things that uh, happened was that I won a session that was a private one on one session with this particular lady. And I said to her about this energy situation and how people were reacting to me. And she said uh, in this session, she's like, OK, we have a, a, a past life possession. And she tried to uh, get rid of this past life possession and it involved putting hands like here and under the jaw and doing a forcible thing and uh, she said to me you've had this possession since birth uh, you've worked symbiotically uh, you're like you've you've been you've been a team she said you're having trouble releasing him because um, uh, you work together you're like twins and uh, he doesn't want to go and you don't want him to go. So you have to really help me let him go. And I'm like, no, I really want him to go now. And so um, I said to her, who is this person? And she's like, well, um, I hate to tell you this, but he's um, really quite negative. Um, we would call him a, a black magician or a sorcerer. I'm like, oh, doesn't sound like me. I'm... I've never dabbled in witchcraft. I've never been interested in witchcraft. I've never been interested in spells. I've never been interested in anything like that. Why would I host a black magician or sorcerer? And uh, she said, um, I don't know how to say this to you, but in 40 years of doing this, I've never met anybody so, so power hungry and evil as him. And I was like, wow, okay. She's, <laughs> this is interesting. Um, anyway, so we got he went away and uh i felt good and then i actually interviewed a lady on my podcast uh, a, a few months later and she works with um ghosts she calls herself the ghost helper not the ghost hunter so she works with earthbound spirits and we did this amazing um interview and uh at the end of it i was she was quite she's a lovely lady but she's ex-military so she's very straight to the point and she was like, I want a copy of the file and I'm going to put the audio and video on my podcast and YouTube as well. I was like, okay, all right. Never had that before, you know. And I tried to send her the file and I tried so many times and she was getting very frustrated at me like I was trying to avoid sending the file. And I said, no, look, here's a screenshot of all the times I've tried to send you this file. And she said to me, okay, I see that uh, we do have interference here. And I said to her, funny that because I wonder if it's my dude come back. You know this this and i told her the story and i said it's a black magician sorcerer uh, he's been with me since birth um we tried to get rid of him once but um i feel like he is blocking and he's come back and so i had a session with her just via the phone from america 
and she did like an exorcism to get rid of him. And it was a very in-depth process, um, very intense. And she, to, to be frank and fair, I told her he was a black magician and sorcerer. So that was the information that she had. So she already had her defences up. She has dealt with a lot of stuff from the military um, side of things in, in, in dealing with um, dark force entities. And so she was prepared for this yeah, monstery person. Can I just make a couple of comments there? Like uh, there's what you tell her, but like, she's free to go and gather her information herself. So yeah, true. We, we know as therapists, there's the presenting issue and the real issue. And so anytime anyone tells me anything about their things, I take it with a grain of salt or a starting point and I go and find out for myself. Uh, and just also like while we're on this, I think it's really interesting for people to notice. So how does spirit releasement uh, even become an issue? And a lot of times it is when people uh, work with their cult in some way, and it can be black magic, white magic, uh, accidentally getting involved in it. But in your case, it's like, well, I had really never been involved or interested in any of this whatsoever. But this is where past lives become so important to spirit releasement. It's like, well, I've never dabbled in any of this. What, how could I have picked up an attachment? Well, you could easily, in fact, most people will have at some point in some past life have dabbled in it. Hence, you can pick it up that way. So I think it's a really interesting thing for people to know. Yeah, so she she um, tried to get his story and tried to talk to him and it didn't work. And in the end, she uh, she used force uh, and, um, you know, started calling him, you know, a coward, you know, to try and provoke him. Okay. Uh, which, and he went. He went. It was a great big, like, thing for both of us. Uh, but at the end, to be honest, and I have great, you know, she's a friend of mine, so all due respect, we all have different methods. She achieved the outcome, but I felt violated in the end. I felt I felt like there was something something wrong in the way that it, it it was released because I really wanted to know the story and we didn't get to the story and I felt like something was done wrong, something wrong, you know. I felt disrespected. Um, at the end of it, I felt lost for a few days because I literally I was like, well, this is me now without this other entity that I've operated with for so long. And I had to refine who I was. Absolutely. Um, that was like, that's a huge thing, by the way. And that's another reason to really get the true story uh, because, you know, there's the integration and post-process. And a lot of times you, what Katisha's saying here is that uh, this was here with me from birth and you've been working mm. symbiotically together. That's a very important statement. So that, you know, if you're going to rip out half of somebody's being and then say, all right, well, good luck with it now, you know, it's like, and so what, it, it's almost like there's a, you know, if you're born with a, a conjoined twin or something and one of them doesn't make it, I mean, it haunted Elvis his whole life. And it's the kind of yep. thing where like you want to have uh, a ceremony and, and a kind of a, a funeral in which there's, there's an anger at it, but there's also uh, a sadness and, and going yeah, through so a, gr a grieving process and a ceremony in which there's a, all of that kind of thing is uh, very important for a healthy uh, exit and uh, post release integration so but absolutely so, so, yeah so we just really remember those so whenever you're gathering you know firstly gather the information uh and not just assume based on what someone else has told you but also like really understand the significance of it and this is so a lot of people might think oh an attachment came along it's been there for a few weeks or months or whatever it's just clinging on but when they have been such a significant part of someone's life and in this case it's a past life uh it can be a fragment or it can be a past life personality that it's integral to the person and so you have to deal with it as such. It's not something you just cut out and flush out. 
that's something you really have to process. So yeah, great story. Keep going. Yeah. So, and one of the things was, as you can see in the background here, for those who are watching the video version of this on YouTube, uh, I was a sound healer for a while. Sound healing came in, excuse me, in COVID and I trained um, in sound, sound healing um, using the crystal singing bowls. One of the things was that uh, I knew intimately without, uh, I guess I picked up ridiculously fast the sound healing um, and I knew how to, from the sound healing, take people into shamanic journeys that I shouldn't know how to, uh, really deep moving of energy. Um, and I also knew how to then use the singing bowls to take people very quickly and very deeply into a hypnotic state. So when um, we were removing him, uh, in the very first session, uh, Sandra said to me, he wants you to know uh, and realize that your skills in sound healing are something that he's taught you. Um, and so what happened to me was that, you know, I, for a while there, stopped doing sound healing because I was like, uh, it's that reaction. It's like um, you have to think, oh, uh, have I done anything right or wrong with sound healing? Have I been using it purely? Um, if he's a so-called baddie, have I influenced anything negatively? Like you have to really sit there and think with your morals and your ethics about what you've been doing as a client. And I just shut down that side of my business. And all my clients know this story. And I was like, I'm not doing any more sound healing until I've processed this. You know, so I shut my business down completely, 100% for three months. Um, so that was a big integration thing for me too as well, was to be, okay, if we, if I had this, uh, this talent because of somebody in the past, and now that person is gone, A, can I do it by myself? Uh, B, uh, what is, how do I feel about it? And at that time it was just like, I don't want to touch a bowl. I don't want to touch a singing bowl anymore. And I, I worked through that and, you know, I use the bowls now. But at the time I couldn't touch them. I was just like. Yeah, I think that's really good because it's, it's really about separating the teachings from the teacher you where was regardless of where you got the te the who regardless of who taught you you've got the teachings you can now separate that out and so but that confusion is something that and you've now picked it up because you've been able to integrate it but a lot of people would drop things and throw out the baby with the bathwater and the, and yeah. and which is uh, counterproductive and, and not helpful so that's a really big part of uh, like successfully integrating it and being able to distinguish uh, between some of these subtleties Rather than everything has mm. now everything has now been tainted and it's unethical to practice it to me doesn't add up and but and the fact that you're able to process that and get to that point now is really helpful so that's uh, yeah so again this ongoing integration uh, is a really important part of spirit releasement therapy and that's actually it's just to make a quick distinction uh, a, a lot of times spirit releasement therapy is just simply finding a fairly random entity and releasing it and I would call that simple releasement. And that's what a lot of people think SRT, spirit releasement therapy, is because that's all they've ever done. But these symbiotic relationships that go on for decades are a significant portion of complex spirit releasement therapy. And people need to understand the difference between a randomish one that's around for a little while, causing a bit of mischief, but uh, that's quite different to these symbiotic ones that have really been an inherent part of people's identity. So when you take them off, they really have this thing, like you said, I'm not quite sure who I am. Am I a sound healer or not? You know, and, and yeah. a lot of these things, am I a really driven corporate person, which you used to be? And then, you know, that people can really flip on the other side and be really, and like you said, be lost, be confused about who they are. 
So a lot of spirit releasement therapy is, and I'm finding this even more recently, is that you spend the three sessions getting the for three or four sessions, getting really detailed stories from the entity. But I'm now doing a number of sessions as ongoing therapy to help people uh, rediscover and be the, their identity and to, to, to unravel all of these aspects where is that me or was it the entity and all of those confusions. And if, if that's been part of their daily life for decades, there's quite a bit of work there and it's really important work to continue to do. And it's certainly, that's completely different to going in, grabbing it and throwing it out in five minutes. We're talking about, you know, tens of hours of ongoing, mm, exactly. ongoing coaching and therapy. Yeah, because uh, for me, it was uh, then disassociating the fear with having an attachment because immediately, you you know, one of the things that I teach my clients is, you know, uh, you can't just become fearful about the attachment. You have to understand the lessons behind it. And as you were just saying, since that uh, uh, person was removed, I've then had to actually spend a lot of time and I've only just recently learnt the story going back into past lives and understanding uh, why, what he was his story, who he was in my past, um, why he was seen to be an angry uh, dark force entity um, and uh, learn that story. And actually um, his story, I've... Um, it took me a very, very, very long time to be ready to to learn that story. I had to do a lot of other regressions before I was able to access that one. So I had seen snippets um, of the story over many different times. So uh, many times so I would use like your recordings to try and do things by myself in between, um, go to my own practitioner. And I had seen um, snippets of his lifetime that were very, 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 very vivid to me. Um, and... It wasn't until I was actually ready to um, go in and find find the reason that I then could piece together, um, in fact, that he had been with me, my soul, not just for my incarnation, but many, many, many incarnations. And that's what I'm finding in a lot of my spirit releasement cases is that somebody attaches and they go with them incarnation after incarnation after incarnation. Yeah, and and, I, and it's it's quite complex then because it's not just the one personality; it's all of your personalities for you know several hundreds to thousands of years that have all had this person influencing their personality, and they're like, "Well, who am I? And who are you? And you know?" Yeah, that, that's a great point. And so, as a teacher of spirit releasement therapy, I find people will often come to me and say, "Teach me how to make the spirits go," and. If it's simple, maybe, but I really only teach the complex ones. And I find that you can't really do spirit releasement therapy without doing past life regression therapy. And what you're saying here as well is it's not even just that you have to know the basics of past life regression. You have to be able to do uh, process a series of lives sometimes in order to be able to get to the, the, the significant one. You have to peel off so many layers of the onion before you can get to the core of it. And... And, and that can, and part of what that can do. So I, I heard you talking about that past life. And so you were, uh, uh, an evil sorcerer apparently, uh, and we can then be very judgmental and labeling of that person. But in that past life, you found out while well, he was doing his best and he was wanting to help and was, uh, put into, was tortured and abused and had good reason to be angry and frustrated and, 
Uh, and so then you can go and do the healing to that person. And then they, you, that transform them from it, from an angry person to a person who's, uh, to able to, and to see the good in them. And so you go in without labeling them and, and finding that out and, and doing healing on that person. And then that's a, and then it's because of that, then they're able to, they're able to release, uh, at, but you have to do that healing on that, on that entity or on that, that, uh, that aspect. Uh, and so that that you have to use the hypnosis, hypnotherapy, or you're doing you're doing regression to the cause of an issue. So hypnotherapists would be familiar with this, but you're really just doing it on that past life personality. And then once you've cleared all that way, then you can do some of the the formal process of spirit releasement. But if you haven't done that uh, prerequisite preparation, then good luck. You're going to have real trouble with uh, the really complex ones. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it's. Um... It's a really interesting situation to be able to uh, understand, um, I guess, compassion for yourself and for others um, and to deal with and transmutate um, emotions and, and go through that healing process. And because he was an alchemist, uh, what I love about that is that uh, through the work that we do in, in all of the re spiritual releasement and regression therapies is we're alchemizing emotions and uh, releasing and changing and creating um, new pathways for people by looking at root causes and re and reframing. We are alchemists. That is what we do. We, we're helping people access the mind stream of all times, finding issues, showing them new perspectives, giving them healing, reframing, allowing them to move past and forward in the future. And uh, that is, in my mind, transformation, which is alchemy, you know yeah alchemy is not just changing metals into into gold you know yeah okay so when you had those experience with and it's also there are there are various levels of releasement and practices uh, everyone's got their own way of doing it and that may work a lot of the time with a lot of the people they work with so you know a lot of times people they think spirit releasement is is what i would call simple releasement because that's 95 percent of what they see and then you know uh but what so what did you learn by going through that in terms of uh you know how the world works how therapies work and then how you've been able to apply that as you do these therapies with people so you can meet people maybe you're in a similar situation to you or some degree of it and so what did you learn by going through the the process yourself and and how did then do you uh, use what you've learned to help others mm. so uh, the biggest thing i've learned is compassion um and uh specifically the way you speak to those that you need to release yep. um for me it has a, a greater story because i had a second attachment um and i also deal a lot with earthbound spirits and crossing them over and so it's got to do with my soul's actual journey um but i do want to ask you specifically and we want to like have that as a next uh, category that we get into uh, but just before we move on to that what would you say now to people who are doing the kind of releasement, which is I'm going to go grab it from the jaw or I'm going to exercise it and threaten it and, and provoke it. And what would you say to people who are doing that kind of practice? The word foolish comes to mind um, because what we want to do is there's always a reason for an attachment. Okay. And so we want to understand the reason. Um, and so the, a lot of uh, people that I come across, uh, there's something that happened in a past life that made them um, 
have a uh, earthbound spirit or whatever come and attach to them and it's a lesson that they have to learn they need to understand what the situation was at the time um what uh you know a spirit only attaches to you if there's a like energy they see something in you that is a reflection of them or something that they need and so you have to take them to that lifetime or that moment in their current life through you know um just going back to age regression to the moment where um the spirit has attached to find out what it was that drew that spirit to them in the first place what was the situation um how are they feeling because their emotions that they're feeling at that particular time is what draws the spirit to them and then um what were the lessons that both of them the both the spirit and the person who is the host they both have separate lessons and you need to understand uh how that fits together because the person who doesn't cross over doesn't go to heaven there's a lesson there's usually a fear um or something that's a false notion about why they need to stay behind that's one set of lessons and then there's a lesson to the person that's attracted that spirit and so if you just remove them without finding out this um it's like um putting a, a new paint of coat over a moldy wall yeah okay I, I think a really key point you made there as well about the emotions that people have draw in attachments and so for me, one of the key things is if you're like physically trying to grab it and pull it out with your hands, then there's the therapist is really getting involved. If you're doing trying to do an exorcism style where the person, the client feels violated, but they're then uh, using aggression uh, 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 and getting angry at the attachment and maybe feeling frustrated and then trying to provoke them in that way. The, the energy the therapist has in that state is not calm, clear, confident at peace. And so what I find is that when people do this, so this thing is like on one level, whatever works, if people can do this and get away with it and it works for them and they're like, well, I do this kind of stuff a lot and it kind of does work and I get good results. Great. And that, that can be the case a lot of the time. But uh, what I also find is that people who do that kind of releasement find that they can pick up attachments themselves because the energy they have while they're doing that releasement uh, you're at, you're sort of playing into playing. It's a game, you know, if, mm. and they're trying to provoke you and uh, troll you into having those kind of emotional responses. And we just want to be really calm and clear and at peace while we're doing it. And afterwards, if I'm doing spirit releasement therapy with really uh, funky, nasty guys afterwards, I don't have to do any protection things. I don't feel drained. I don't feel an empathetic, whatever. It's just another day and I'm clear and calm and at peace during it and afterwards and what i find is people who come for training say i've been doing uh, releasement in this way but it wipes me out for three days afterwards or i've picked up a few attachments and i want you to help me release them before i go on and do the training and so that's one of the things yeah. and so so the message to the people who are doing it that way it isn't that you're doing it wrong it isn't that that's bad or anything it's just that's as far as you've got now understand there is another way there is another yeah, there step. Is another. There is another step forward, and it's easier for you. It's easier for your client. It's easier for the entities. It's just a lot easier and more peaceful, and uh, and and just just to understand that you know that it can be like that. And the people that contact me for training, maybe they don't even know that exactly. But they they're just exhausted and wiped out after years of doing that, and are hoping that there's another way, and want to talk to me and find out is it possible. So I'm just telling you now that it absolutely is. And, and because, you know, we don't want to have our clients feeling violated. 
and we don't want to no. be wiped, wiped out ourselves. And we want to just, and also we want to be, in order to do this work, we have to like look forward to it and find it sort of fun and interesting instead of, oh no, I have to get into a fight with some, you know, it's the confrontational, no, no. like no one really, wants, you're eventually going to get sick of doing that kind of work and stop doing it. Yeah, I, I consider it the greatest privilege of my life to be able to do it because yeah it's, uh, it's my it's, it's the, the 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 nastier they are the more satisfying it is and it's kind of my favorite it's my they're, they're my feel good sessions the the worse they are the, I know not many people can do this and I feel great working with the real nasty ones and it's like the most improved as well if you do kind of the the easy ones or you know uh just but to, to really switch things in such a big move it's it's the it's the it's, it's the you know there's a real fun and joy and lightness in it uh, no matter how dark it is. And uh, I think, yeah, that... I think um, for me too, uh, it's very interesting um, to find out the story of the person that is attached to somebody else, because yeah. um, I sometimes the clients are crying when they tell that story, you know, when they let them tell their story, uh, it's just really a compassionate um, moving moment. Um, to find out what happened to this person, how they died, how lost they were, um, and to quell the fears they have about the afterlife, um, to deal with society's fear of death and to help them understand the process of grief and why it is vitally important that they do cross over um, and do release uh, for themselves, for their loved ones that they left behind and for the health of the person that they have attached to. So uh, it's a holistic health thing for everybody. Yeah. Okay. So actually you're talking more about earthbound spirits at the moment. I was kind of had dark force entities yeah. in my mind, but so let's just be we're clear on some of the distinctions. So dark force entities, for those who haven't, not sure, they haven't had a human uh, incarnation before and they will be uh, deceived and attempt to deceive people. They're the really aggressive ones and they require one way of dealing with it. But Katish is now talking a bit more about uh, earthbound spirits. So let's get onto that as the next subject. So you said as well, like how did earthbound spirits become a real thing for you? And you had a, per a person in your life attached. So can you tell us a bit about you know, your personal experience that then fed into your healing skills? Yeah. And, and to be clear, just so I can make the distinction, why my uh, why I sometimes cross those two lingos over, it's because in my personal experience, um i find that those that uh present as uh dfes are actually earthbound spirits that are angry so they're not really dfes they're just like uh, okay. i'm going to pretend to be angry and when i when i and they will present themselves as dfes and then when i dig down they're actually human beings who are just uh, afraid very very afraid so yeah. but that's a uh, it, that's yeah. a great that's a great point and, and and to add one more category you can have an earthbound spirit who has a DFE attachment and they be, they, and you can have an angry earthbound spirit, but the DFE is amplifying their anger. And so then you have to go through uh, releasing the DFE first and then processing the human anger second. So is that something you see as, uh, as well? You get the DFE attachments to earthbounds? Yeah, the majority of the, the, the clients that I have, it is more the earthbounds. There's been a couple of DFEs, but the majority, I'd say 80% of it is is the earthbound spirits um, and right. the ETs. Yeah, so uh, the earthbound uh, situation for me was that, um, so <laughs> this has to bring in my story here a bit. So I went through quite a tumultuous period in my life where um, a number of things happened at once, and, and that was... Um, I became separated from a husband when I had two small children. Um, 
and so they were like two and four. Um, my father got diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer and the, the, the period between diagnosis and death was eight months. And then I had uh, a good friend of mine um, from school had a, um, a fall on a bike and she had a double brain stem stroke and became locked in. So in a 12 month period, that all happened. It was intensely so, difficult so can I just like, emotional time. So locked in, what, what, how do you define that? Uh, you can do nothing but blink. Okay. So it's a physical condition where you're essentially completely paralyzed and able to communicate. How do, how do they communicate? Blinking. Really? Okay. No voice cords or nothing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, a, a massive life event for that person, but also for their close friends. Okay. Yeah. So three forms of death, so to speak, a real death, a divorce is a form of death, and then a, um, uh, an almost death situation. Wow. Um so um, when uh, my father was diagnosed with um, prostate cancer, um, I was there, we did it at home, in-person at home palliative care. It was a very short period of palliative care, only a couple of days at Christmas time. And um, he died in our living room. Uh, he died on a hospital, hospital bed in our living room and I had read <laughs> Soizel Rinpoche's um, The Tibetan Book of Living, uh, Living and Dying. Um, and so I knew the signs to, to watch out for, for his dying. And so like we were doing the last uh, clean, cleans of the night and I said to my mum and we had uh, a doctor there, uh, quick look, dad's about to die. Because I felt the body changes. I saw the, the I, I, I just knew he was about to die. Yeah. And we all looked and uh, dad took, the last breath, we watched the breath leave his mouth and then he cried because he didn't want to go and he died. And um, from that moment onwards, um, I spent a few years really deeply mourning um, him and writing a book about the death process. I threw, I think I read several hundred books about death, NDEs, uh, I went and volunteered for the hospice, you name it. And um, at that point, I was aware of his presence, but I thought it was him in, in spirit, you know, crossed over and he would ring the chimes and um, my kids would uh, have characteristics that were alarmingly like him. Um, and uh, it wasn't until um, after I had the original spirit released, um, I went to my mum, went to pick up my mum to take her to my old next door neighbor's house for dinner. And I was getting more and more agitated. I spent, um, so this is a period of 10 years, yeah, between his death and, and this happening. Uh, during that period of 10 years, um, I, and I'll be quite honest about this, a lot of people know this struggle that I had, really bad anxiety and panic attacks where I would wake up in the middle of the night and just vomit until the morning, like nonstop vomiting, um, really bad anxiety. And um, I, did a lot of modalities and healing to, to, to get around that. And then I had a period where there just wasn't there. Um, and then I went to this dinner this night and the key was that my mum was there and the close friends. And I just, by the time I got home, I was so agitated and ready to have another panic attack. And I said out loud, dad, you're, you're attached to me, aren't you? You haven't crossed over. Um, and the anxiety that you have felt for me and the situation that I've been in, bringing up two kids by myself, um, uh, struggle with career, um, you know, dating, all the different things over a 10-year period, that's what I'm feeling. 
in my physical body. And so I used the process that I'd learned to cross him over myself. And I was like, okay, I, I felt the physical release. When I do spirit releasement on myself, I, I actually physically move. Like it's a big energy thing. And um, I was like, I'm pretty certain. And then I was good. And it wasn't until um, I was doing some earthbound spirit work um, that I hired a medium to kind of try and have discussions with the spirits after they crossed over. And she brought through my dad. And there's a half hour recording of dad explaining to me why he didn't cross over the lessons and that it was specifically tied into my sole purpose. He's like, I had to make a conscious decision not to cross over in order for you to uh, understand that this experience has happened for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's linked to what you're here to do. Um, and then I had another medium come through who was also explaining some other messages from dad. And I, I haven't heard a lot from him since, but it confirmed my understanding that he was attached to me for 10 years. Um, so, yes, I had a double set of pretty well, major. <clears throat> well, that's a great uh, principle there, which I, you know, so it can be, you know, really throw you off course or uh magnify things and make life difficult, you know, for a, a long period of time. And that can even, you know, affect, you know, uh, uh, remarrying or uh, my own pro- progression, a lot of personal, professional life. So the, one of the things that I find that even once you do the releasement, as you're saying here, like after he's been released, then talking to it, I find this as part of the ongoing therapy is really understanding no matter how horrific and scary and disruptive and damaging it was to the life, at some level, it's okay. At some level, it was planned. At some level, it had to happen. At some level, it wasn't really wrong. So, you know, I got uh, violated by a therapist who did this and that. And as a trainer, I might say, well, let's train people to not do that. But I also recognize it's fine that that happened. Like, if they're doing that, that's okay. If it happened to you, it's okay. And part of it is because it uh, it can motivate or, or really give you the visceral experiential lesson on this is how it can be done. This is how I can now progress and do it. And we're all just progressing. Yeah, and uh, it's it's done two things for me. The da- da- my dad's attachment is that um, all throughout dad's life, he dropped a whole bunch of hints, uh, sang silly songs, and had things that um, I have now since um, since learning about his role and our role together have understood that they were clues to past life incarnations that I needed to understand that he told me, he's told me from the other side, that he didn't even know he he was dropping them. But now that he's crossed over, it makes complete sense to him. And they were really important parts in my healing to get to where I am today to put those pieces together in the puzzle. Um, So uh, this interplay between he and I in terms of helping him helping me in this lifetime is very big. The second thing is that it helps normalise it in a way for the clients that I have where there's a lot of my clients who come to me and it's a family member who's attached to them or two family members or a series of family members. And I'm, I can say to them, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, it's quite common if you are very close to somebody for them to feel some kind of guilt, like they haven't done something for you or they need to repay um, something to you or they need to protect you. And so they falsely think that by sticking around, they can look after you. Yeah. Um, and I understand that from a personal visceral level and it, it helps me then also explain to the earthbound spirits who are attached to the clients, you know, I understand this and my dad did this too and um, I understand why you'd want to stick around and protect, but, you know, 
um, because we've introduced them to the spirit, their spirit guides and verified them beforehand. It's like you can see she has these spirit guides or he has these spirit guides who are here. You've heard how long they've been around and their job is to protect in this particular part of the area. So you don't need to do that. And a lot of the time I then say to the piece is I find out what is it that they, the reason that they wanted to stick around. And I'll say, so like I've had somebody say, well, I want to help them with their business. And I'm like, okay, but the insight that I have for you today is that from the afterlife, you've got greater clarity, you've been healed, uh, you've learned your life lessons. And if you wish to, and it's in your soul's path, you can be a spirit guide in that specific area of the life for your daughter or granddaughter or whatever it is. And as soon as you say that, they're like, oh, that's actually much more helpful. And I really like that idea of being a spirit guide rather than being physically attached and not getting my own healing. And I explain to them that they get much greater insights from the afterlife than from being an earthbound spirit. They're, they're kind of helpless. They can't really do anything here. They can influence thoughts and physicality, but from the, a greater strategic perspective, the go to the other side, get your healing, understand your soul contract between each other, and then advise as a spirit guide if that's what you want to do. So my own personal story there um, allows me to be able to really calmly have those discussions with with spirit guides who are uh, no sorry with earthbound spirits who are not interested in going. They want to stick around. Yeah, and you you say it calmly, but you also say it with authority. Yeah, so you've got the spiritual authority from experientially knowing deeply and seeing powerfully in your life that that's how it is. And they may then try and debate with you, argue, present a counter argument. And you go, no, listen, I know this inside out and back to front. And here's how it is. Because this is, if you're a therapist and you're talking with an, uh, an entity or of any form, they're going to come up with stuff that maybe you're not quite sure about or you haven't heard. And there's a learning process or insights that you may have. You may doubt or wonder, you know, what what do I know? What are they saying? But having the so the first thing is really ask a ton of questions. And what I find is even if you don't have a, a spiritual authority through personal knowing, if you uh there's that phrase, give somebody enough rope and they will hang themselves. So you ask enough questions, they'll give enough information. If you really think clearly about it, you'll see they've contradicted themselves. You'll see that what they're saying doesn't add up, and you can then call BS on them. That you said this, this, and this, but you, in order to do that, you have to really listen and really get give them so much rope that eventually you figure out the inconsistencies and what they're saying. If you've had the personal experiences, you can do it quicker because you can say, like, yeah. I, you know, I know from experience that what you're saying sounds pretty wise, but it's limited. And I'm going to show. And yeah. here's you've told me A, B, and C. Well, guess what, buddy? You don't know about E and F, so that's what it is. So I get the. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, like, I end up laughing and joking with them. I'm like, ah, oh, yes. yeah, nice one. Good try. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. we have a laugh and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll try. And then they'll try something else and you're like, yeah, good one. Another one. Yeah, no, like we have a laugh about it. It's like, you know, exactly. come on, try, try, try harder. You know, you can't, you can't pull the wool over my eyes kind of conversations and you laugh about it because, you know, you're, yeah. you're, they're trying, you have to establish trust, not only with the client, but with the spirit themselves. And so, yeah. um, you know, um, it's, it's about double rapport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not my first radio buddy. Nice try, but, uh, you know, and yeah. then, and calling the button and then what, and cause you do have to get, you have to get the rapport absolutely. And, and to get their respect. So they will mm. often come in feeling like I know more than you do. And, you know, I don't even have to listen to you because I know this and that. And they'll, and then once you reveal to them, hey, buddy, you're not as smart as you think you are, 
then they're really like, oh, well, you actually seem to know a bit more about this. Therefore, instead of being a, a wise ass, I'm, maybe you can actually help me. And and then you can. Yeah. But but yeah, but, yeah. but if you're a, uh, newer to the game and it's, it is your first rodeo, then a spirits will run rings around people. Yeah, and it's it's about internal strength and confidence yourself. Um, and uh, the thing that I particularly like um, in the process that I've learned from you was the taking the client through their spiritual strength before you get to the releasement so that um, they've got that certainty. And it also reminds you of your own certainty, you know, what is your spiritual strength? And, um, you know, that helps in that process. It, 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 it um, makes it less scary for the client. It makes them feel strong in themselves. And they also learn, you know, uh, emotions can act. I also have another category of what I call attachments. Emotions can be attachments because yeah. you can talk to various parts in the body where they, when they do that body scan and it cannot be an ET or EBS, it can be a thought form that they've attached to them from themselves or from somebody else. And you ask that thought form to speak and they will say whatever it is. And if they don't release that energy, that's what turns into cancer or, you know, whatever it is. So some of it is actually just the pure relief of moving stuck thoughts and emotions out of the body as well. Yeah. That's a, yeah, it's a good point. And just, uh, uh, yeah. So emotions, absolutely. And then, uh, just in terms of that, the, uh, spirits running can run rings around you. And what I find is sometimes I'll speak to therapists and they'll say, I talked to an entity and we came to a conclusion and it's actually fine because they said this and that. I was like, uh, that's not fine. They just pulled the wool over your eyes, you know? And so, yeah. So uh, being at, being attuned to that, uh, is useful. So that point about emotions, uh, can you expand a little bit on how those emotions affect people? The two main emotions that, um, people come to that lead to a spirit attachments, um, for example, are um, fear and, and anger, fear and anger, the two main, an example, um, of anger. And uh, for a client is I had a client who I've had a, a large number of sessions with and she had some great success in the fields of money and um, love. And one of the underlying things across all of the past life progressions that she had was that she was in relationships with angry people uh, or she had a lot of fear in the lives that she was revisiting. So um, one of the spirit attachments that she had um, was attracted to her uh, because of the energy in her house. So this was a um, gentleman who died in a street fight um, in the United Kingdom and uh, back in 1921, Jim. And Jim just um, stayed in the area near where he died, which was um, where she eventually bought a house. So when he died, there was no house there, but he stayed in the field area. And he said that what attracted him to this particular client was the the anger that was going on in her household. And when he was alive, he loved the fight. He loved the sparring on the street and he he just enjoyed angry, you know, ang anger was his was his world. And so he liked to hang around with her. And she was she had had several marriages and the, the last one was really quite tumultuous. And that's when he really attached to her. And he said what happened was that um, she then began to develop herself and move into the spiritual world, do a lot of healing. And the energy changed in her house. She kicked out her husband. Um, she got therapy and she started to sing. And he, I've got, the, I wrote down specifically his words because I thought it was really quite insightful. Um, he said, I used to like a good fight and a good drama, 
but I see I don't need it now because Katie changed her life. I don't know what she did, but it's beautiful to be around her now. She plays music and sings music a lot and there's something that's changed and it's changed me as well. And um, he was able to release quite happily because he had seen the change in emotion from, from this client and his own emotion and he saw that he enjoyed, he really just enjoyed the new way that she lived and he was therefore ready to release that anger. So um, that's an example of anger. Yeah, so the, the moral of that, music calms the savage beast. <laughs> That's right. Music and laughter. She's a very funny person. So he loved the laughter and he said we had a lot of good times together. Not that she realized, but okay. um, fear fear is another one. Um, I had a client who we took back to a past life in the 1300s in England and uh, she, her name was Jane. She was a healer who used to make potions. Um, so back in those times she would have been classified as a so-called witch um she basically was at the markets one day and she was starting to get worried about her potions it was at that time when the witch hunt was on and she was worried what would happen if one of my potions hurt a client rather than healed them would i be found out would i be branded a witch um and she was at the market getting the potions uh the ingredients to make her potions and there was a little um young lady who had uh her name is angel she was 15 and she had an undiagnosed heart problem she died walking to the markets and she attached to jane because of the the energy she was afraid when she died because uh, she didn't know why she was dying she just you know had that heart attack and died and then it matched the energy of jane and they were nearby so they she attached she was attracted to jane's energy and what happened to um jane was that their double afraid energies then began to uh, be perceived by the clients. There was nothing ever any wrong, anything wrong with the potions that she was making. Um, Cause we asked her once she'd done her past life review, there's nothing wrong with the potions. It was that the clients sensed the fear in her. And so they began to believe that the potions might be tainted. And then what happened was a client did die because of this fear. And uh, she was um, arrested and she was killed as a witch, burned as a witch. Um, so that's that's the story that we had to heal. Yeah, that's one thing you often hear from people with spirit attachments is that they say, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I'm pretty sure they're not mine. Yeah. They're, and uh, they're residues from an attachment. They can be uh, residues from past lives, but they don't make any sense in terms of that present life personality. So yeah, it's a really helpful thing to be attuned to. Yeah, and I do say to my clients, it's like now that you've released these attachments, you have to learn what's your thoughts now because you're going to have an empty space in your mind where other people's thoughts were and you're going to be like, oh, I didn't believe that in the first place. That wasn't my thought. And, you know, so I, it really is then a piece for them to relearn mindfulness in terms of observing thoughts, knowing what's theirs, what's the environments, you know, yeah. and what they truly do think and believe. So it's a really good in, uh, exercise in understanding your own mind. Absolutely. And so I, in terms of ongoing therapy and in terms of prerequisites for doing this kind of work, you mentioned reading Sogol Rinpoche's uh, books on, you know, Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, Tibetan Book of the Dead is another interesting one. And, and in terms of, you know, witnessing your own thoughts, that is one thing as well, you know, without an entity, we um, own mind, the monkey mind runs away in its own emotions. And you don't have to be into SRT to, to notice that you can be possessed 
by negative thoughts or, or feelings and witnessing them and having a sense of it's not that's I'm not the anger. I can watch me have anger arise and dissolve. And so part of an ongoing therapy can be studying the wisdom traditions of the world, whichever one jives with you. And part of mm. what prepares you to be a good healer, for me, I did spend a lot of time doing uh, meditation and 10-day retreats and studying Tibetan Buddhism particularly. So that, that as a wisdom tradition foundation has been invaluable in the spiritual authority that I bring to not being hoodwinked by people who try and tell me about spiritual things. And if I don't really understand the landscape very well, then maybe I can be have the wall pulled over my eyes. But particularly Tibetan Buddhism is very clear on, on calling BS. And, and I find that as, as a really helpful foundation. So as well, you know, if you want to be really good at spirit releasement therapy, be good at past life aggression, be good at hypnosis, be good at hypnotherapy and study a wisdom tradition. And so that's coming yeah. through with what you're saying as well. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I did. I did do a lot of Tibetan Buddhism study. So yeah, it was what yeah. is my first past life reveal. Actually, is uh, was when I um, when I I I had a very 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 strong emotional um, reaction to a geshe that I'd never met, and right. he's a mother from past life. Yeah. Yeah. It's the very first episode of my podcast. Yeah. Okay. Is that story? Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. I also the interesting thing about your mind is that the the thing that I do tell earthbound spirits is that um, they're always worried about heaven and hell, uh, right. this fear based religious doctrine that's come up through the centuries. And I say to them that hell is a state of mind, and particularly the situation that you find yourself in, a human being without a body, is my definition of hell. Yeah. Um, so uh, understanding. To, to, to clarify and understand that um, there is no uh, hell, there is no judgment day um, to explain to them the crossing, the process of life review and judgment is only about yourself and, you know, understanding the life between lives so that you can explain to them uh, really makes them understand the fear-based constructs that are in yeah. their own mind. Well, absolutely. It's the fear of hell is the hell itself. And mm -hmm. you, could, yeah. you could call it a purgatory, but the irony of it is that the, the fear of hell is like, that's the only hell that exists. Because if once you do go to and pass over, it is infinite love, unity and forgiveness. But it's even beyond forgiveness because, you know, there has to be a self and other for forgiveness to exist. It's just a completely unified uh, wisdom and, you know, or God or divinity and God is love. And so that's what they're keeping themselves out of. And that's a good definition of heaven. So just not going to heaven is what hell is. You know, when yeah. heaven is, heaven is available and waiting and and for you, and you just, you know, what you're delaying for, for another another eighty yeah. years. Is that what's yeah, your plan? that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, yeah. So they, then that yeah, it's not what they were. It's not what they're worried about. And when you can explain that, um, uh, that, and mostly it's these people who think that they are bad because um, right. Some, some silly little thing that nobody else would think they were bad for, but, you know, Catholicism or whatever form of religion that they were part of, they were taught that they were a sinner. But they all, they all, they may also genuinely be bad and have murdered 99 oh, of Buddhas. Course, yes. they, and they may have murdered 99 Buddhas, but he did that and became a Buddha himself because he got over it, you know, and, and yes. all the, or they may be bad because the client thinks they're bad and the therapist got hypnotized into treating them as if they were bad, whereas they should be. Yeah. So, so a, 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 an entity can hoodwink you, but if you're a therapist, don't let your client hoodwink you, you know, into believing yeah, right, yeah. a, a false narrative that something's bad when at its core it isn't. 
Yeah. So cool. So so can we uh, let's switch into star seeds. So yes, can you can yes, you start yes. can, you, can you start by even like defining what is what is a star seed? Yeah. So uh, star seeds just a term that I picked from the popular narrative at the moment. Okay. Right. Um, what I'm particularly passionate about is teaching people about uh, the concept of the journey of the soul through the eternal mind stream. And so uh, humans tend to believe and have this obsession with just earth and um starseed is in popular culture what people identify with when they have this feeling that they are different from other people and that they belong somewhere else and then they will self-identify with a particular planet or system and say i'm a like i come from orion or i come from intaka or i come from the pleiades or whatever you are um, it's very popular on instagram and youtube and all that sort of stuff but my belief and understanding of reincarnation is that uh, reincarnation is through <laughs> everywhere. You know, there is no place that you have not been, and that includes other locations in this universe and others. And each one of those, you know, is simultaneous because there is no such thing as time other than in our mind construct. And so all lives are concurrent. And each different location has a different experience. So. Uh, what I've discovered with starseeds, so people who are willing to explore and identify the fact that they may have non-human lifetimes, is that uh, they have been on other planets for a particular reason for their soul's development. And they are here to explore, understand and integrate that in this lifetime here on Earth and bring forward some of those skills. So um, uh, when I uh, help people find their starseed origins, it's for a particular reason, which is why are we wanting to identify as a starseed at the moment? What's the curiosity factor? Um, is there something that uh, your soul wishes to integrate in this lifetime? Like you have a healing uh, ability that you're not quite tapping into, that you're actually here for. And so the you of other times is trying to give you a hand they're trying to help out there um, and or commonly for me I've identified uh, implant in a spirit releasement theory, uh, session and that implant has been implanted by a loved one a family member from the starseed location where they once were incarnated and that's the kind of the link um, to the whole starseed thing it's for me it's a holistic looking at the journey of the soul over all locations in the multiverse and understanding what you're here to do what your healer's path is okay cool so i'll come back to the implants but let's start i'm curious about the spiritual entrepreneurs so you said star seeds uh come and then they want to bring some of the the wisdom from a other dimension or other location into that uh, entrepreneurship so what kind of what, what do you mean by spiritual entrepreneurs and so a lot of people who do Reiki, uh, people who um, may do all different kind of mo modalities. So um, they may be um, soul contract or soul planners who identify um, what your path was here. They may be tarot readers, oracle card readers. Um, they may be sound healers, um, all sorts of uh, mediums psychics, you know, anyone who makes a living by using spiritual services in either a healing or, or a knowledge capacity uh, or a teaching capacity. So they're, they're the people that I call spiritual entrepreneurs. It's their, their shingle. They put the shingle up and they, they uh, trade under the spiritual banner. Okay. 
And do you find uh, some common characteristics that can help people identify if they're a star seed or not? Uh, some common uh, experiences they may have? Mm. Um, so, for example, um, loneliness and a longing for somewhere, not having found a location that um, is really home for them, like they're missing something. Um, that is very common with people from the planet of Mintaka. Okay. Um, and that can be very easily abated by being around water more often. Um, Intaka is an ocean, uh, a water-based planet, and these people really should spend and live majority of their time near the ocean. And generally they're feeling this loneliness um, because they're land-bound. They're living in the wrong country. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's what kickstarts them is there's, they've got this urge, they're not settled, they, they don't feel like they're living in the right place. They feel at home by the water. They don't know why um, they're, you know, there's, they start investigating dolphins and sound healing with dolphins and they don't know why. And um, yeah, different, different locations have different characteristics, but um, that's, that's a common one with the Mintaka is the, uh, the, uh, the water. And yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah. it's kind of just. Well, that, that's great. And so you're talking about there, it's, it's essentially, there's a star seed. But and that's a spiritual uh, thing. But we're we're also talking about past lives, and so they're star seeds because uh, you, now it's interesting. Uh, they may have had past life incarnations as humans. Um, pe people can have past life incarnations on other planets as well. That's fairly uh, it, it certainly happens. And so with the star seeds, would you say that they haven't had earthly incarnations in past lives, but only in the past? Or maybe that's their most recent past life where in a between lives environment, they agreed to go to earth to bring in uh, extraterrestrial or other knowledge. The people that have um, I've identified with um, the starseed um, other lifetimes, they're from a very long time ago. Um, the ones that I'm actually tend to do, they go straight back to, to like, um, origin lifetimes uh, where their, their first soul incarnates, uh, the first portion of their soul incarnates, and that's not going to be Earth, is it? Cause, because Earth is fairly late in the game. Yep. Um, so uh, I have clients who come who uh, their first memory is being a light body. Um, yep. You know, I have clients who have memories of an incarnation that is not experience-based, like we would call right now, we are in a human body, we have experiences, relationships are important, what we do is important, but their purpose in that lifetime on this particular planet was to seed a planet, start a planet, um, plant insects, grow trees, uh, really out there kind of stuff. Yep. Um, or they may be from a lifetime whereby their job was to um, communicate with beings in distress across all planets. And so they're trying to teach um, concepts of spiritual knowledge of how to use your mind stream to access answers um, and get help outside of the human construct of how our human mind works. So they're quite different. They're not, they're not all the, just the, let's go to the Pleiades. They're mostly locations where we don't have human knowledge of where these locations are because they're so far in the past. And what I'm finding is that um, these are so far ago, they're generally clients that I've done a lot of past life regression with already. Right, right. 
and then um, they'll spontaneously go into a galactic uh, lifetime or they, they're suddenly curious and they want to know why they feel a certain way, so they request it. Right. So the past life regression had already done with them. Was that to earthly incarnations? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that, that's kind of a, a point. I think some people think I'm a star seed. I've got nothing to do with earth. I feel lonely being on earth because I'm really from another place. But my experience is that most people will have had a bunch of uh, this life, uh, human uh, and earthly experiences and a bunch of other ones. And so it often can be that it's just the most recent one was that. And so people who feel really out of place on earth, and that can be, I think, part of a, a slight distortion because my last life was on earth, but a bunch of others were. And so that's one thing in a way, so, and people can almost want to feel special. Like, you know, I'm only from the stars. I'm not from the earth, but I think everyone's got... Uh, tends to have some kind of attachment but also that on the other on the flip side what you mentioned there is a, a very valid thing that i see as well which is that you know uh, having incarnations which are essentially disembodied you're in almost it's not even necessarily another planet but it's a, another dimension which which is uh, you know non-physic not physically interactive with any terrestrial uh, place uh, and, and it can be a place of pure learning for example and that's really a lot of what the between lives phase is and so i find people you know, you can like in, uh, incarnate in a past life on this planet or another planet, have a between lives where you decide, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and seed this thing. I'm going to go and be a spiritual entrepreneur. And then they pop off and they do that uh, and just incarnate again. And that space in between might be, you know, 49 days if you're a Tibetan or might be whatever it is. But it can yeah. be, it can be, uh, I find people can really stay there and say, before I incarnate, I gathered a bunch of information in my past life that I want to take with me and keep keep evolving. I'm going to stay in that between lives area and study up as much as I can in order to take on the the task that's coming ahead of me. So do you find that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all interrelated. It's just uh, the way that I put it is that there's nothing in, in, in isolation. It's all part of your overall journey as a soul and you will go many places for many reasons. And yeah. uh, if you're interested in discovering this lifetime, it's because it's now is the time that your mind wants to put it together to draw things that are here for you right now. Um, otherwise it's not relevant to you. You know, um, it's, it's for a reason that you're asking these questions and you're wanting to go into reincarnation and understand your whole journey. There's something in there that is important for you to know. It's not a, it's not a tourism thing. Yeah. You know, we're not, not, not doing it for galactic tourism. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good point. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, people, I'm a star seed. I came from another dimension. But I think it's always important to remember, you know, I was born on another planet. I'm bringing the wisdom of that planet. But always remembering that in between, there's another dimension which is not incarnate. It is a between lives one where we have our ultimate soul, which is not and then, you know, connected to any place. And as you say, it's not connected to any time. I come from this. I'm special because I come from this place in the past. And, but ultimately, the, past is a construct and another place is still another place you know uh, maybe a, a whatever star it is and so that can be part of an identity that, that you say and it's useful to to you know to have star seed as an identity definition that helps me understand myself and but an ultimate uh definition does transcend a lot of these uh you know and because we could then that because it can exacerbate loneliness oh i knew that i was lonely because i really don't fit in here and this is you know, a, a low, uh, new, ignorant world, and I and I, I'm justified to feel a alienated here. 
and so that's oh, all, yeah. all, and so we don't you know people and so can, you know a lot of times these diet you know these uh terms can help but uh yeah we, we don't want to to be uh, people lean into that alienation and difference whereas we really want to be unified on the planet more than ever in this one yeah well, what the way that i explain it all the time is we're like a flower right the soul is the center of our flower and each petal that you have is the different incarnation and uh, the petals go off wherever they need to go to enhance the journey of the overall soul and the overall journeys complete learning and experiences so it's a team yeah you know so uh you can't pull apart any of those petals because without the petals they there's no flower so it, it's it's a teamwork well that's such a useful understanding because uh and this is where we get into the next part and you, you mentioned it there can be implants or monitoring devices from the planet that i identify more with than earth and we are uh, bringing that knowledge back and i have an, an, a device implanted and i stick to that because you know that's my ultimate higher core Whereas an ultimate core isn't related to any uh, place. Your ultimate core is beyond all space and time. And that's so you don't necessarily need that thing. It's not a higher authority necessarily. There is an ultimate one that transcends a need for anything uh, that, that exists in any form of duality. And so that that's kind of the, the, the therapeutic resolution that I find that we get to. But let's, I'm interested to hear from you the process we get uh, there. And so this is one thing that, uh, again, it, and it really affects the interpretation you may have. Being a starseed is cooler than being on Earth uh, and better and wiser, and anything that they do is fine. And that may or may not be the case, but let's really dig in and find out the story. So what are the stories you find when starseeds come in? They find out they're from another planet or have origins there. They've got a task that they're doing. So tell us about how e uh, implement, uh, ET implants or monitoring devices work and the clients that you see. Yeah, so, uh, and a good example of, of that was I had a client and uh, we identified when we were doing spirit release and we did the body scan that she had something that was implanted. A lot of the time it's behind the neck. Yep. Um, some clients can actually hear it make noises or it's just uncomfortable. And so I asked who implanted it. I asked, um, I always work with Archangel Michael and... Um, we bring in the person who's implanted it. Basically, we have a discussion. Um, I say that, you know, I come in peace. I, uh, you know, you've got a device in my client's body. The client's name's this. Um, I'm just wondering what the purpose of the implant was. You know, curiosity, can we have an open discussion? Uh, why did you feel the need to implant it? Do you have a particular relationship with this client? What is it? And so far, presenting in my clients so far, it's been a familiar relationship, meaning it's my daughter, my son, my whatever. Um, and I'll be like, so they lived with you from where you are from? And um, they will say yes. And I'll say, so I'll check the color of the light, you know, you know, what's the color of the light where you are? Why, why did you feel like that you needed to implant this device? And the answer um, can be for protection. So my particular planet was close to being destroyed. Uh, or it wasn't safe or the toxic environment or something and I needed to send my child away. And so this was how I was going to um, connect with them. And then I explained to them that whilst I understand that, like every parent would understand that, um, they're here on earth and we have sovereignty over our body and it's actually a universal principle of universal sovereignty of your, of your body. And so the implant is, you know, not in line with that. 
and I say to them, um, by the way, it's also out-of-date technology. Um, you can actually communicate to this person who I understand you are very attached to, you have an emotional relationship with them, through light language. Did you know you can speak to your loved one through light language? And they're generally like, oh, I didn't know that we could do that. I'm like, yeah. Um, and by the way, that device is itching or hurting or bothering them. So can we have it removed nicely and neatly? And can you heal it, please? And can you report to whoever you need to report to to get authorization to get it out? And by the way, uh, this particular person is interested in, in understanding more about your relationship. So they're willing to do a regression to come and visit that lifetime. And generally speaking, they've been very, very excited. They're like, oh, OK, yes, we have things we want to teach them and remind them. We'll take it out straight away and I'll say to them, okay, before you go, before we agree to this next regression session to that lifetime, um, can you do an activation, some kind of a light language activation so that it's going to make us easier to uh, find you and they can bring in any innate healing ability. And they're usually ecstatic about that. And the client's really ecstatic because they're like, I've heard of this light language concept, I've seen it, but I didn't believe that I could do it. And um, it's a really beautiful experience because you get to understand that for those people who are scared of extraterrestrials and UFOs and all the scary stuff that you see on the TV, that we're talking about another soul who just happens to be in a different form of a suit, yeah? And they have the same, they're not exactly the same in the range of emotions, but we're all beings who have um families and purposes and we relate when you can speak like this to these people from from people but beings from other locations you realize we're all the same yeah well that's a, a key point and so they're they are souls and so they your client is a human your client was in the alien suit the extraterrestrial yes. suit but your client also was a human before that so one counter argument can be, I identify as an alien because that was my last uh, incarnation, and there and we and I'm her mother. Well, you're not her mother in this life. You weren't her mother in a bunch of past lives. You're over identifying with one uh, familial relationship in one life. So there's a limitation there. But I understand as a soul, there's a soul purpose and mission. So that makes more sense to me. The other one, to be honest, doesn't make that much sense. I understand, you know, and that's a little bit like your dad. I'm really like love her and I want her to be okay and hang around. Well, you know, and so, uh, yeah. but then, and then the second part can be, okay, but no, I do have a purpose in there. So, you know, maybe the, the, like I have a purpose and, and this is going to help her and she needs to go through this for 10 years. And I understand and agree with that. But let's find out exactly what that purpose is. And is this the most efficient, effective way of doing it? Are there other ways? And then that's what you've been able to present to them. So as you go through and ask those questions, uh, and, and that can be the case in a lot of scenarios, but what's the breakdown in terms of percentages? Would you say that when I find a monitoring device uh, and you have these discussions, are there times where you're ever convinced that it is actually appropriate and right for them to have a monitoring device implanted and that it's not itching or disturbing them and that it's actually fine and you you need to let it be and you don't release it. How often would that happen? Zero percent. Wow. I've never I've never left it in. Never. Okay. Do you think you could ever be convinced? Or okay. 
Yeah. No, no, because uh, no, no, it's 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 not appropriate. Yeah, uh, that's what we have a mind for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, it's the kind of thing where you know it's not you know you're not his mother now, and and so what I find is, but the the important thing is, uh, it's uh, you're you're still you're going through and asking a lot of questions. And so one thing that I find is, and this comes back to that principle that, oh, it's a star seed. It's from a much wiser galaxy. I've got to do whatever they say. And I don't question it. So that's that's one thing where if you find, if anyone finds an ET implant or monitoring device in their client, um, what I find a default position for a bunch of practitioners is, oh, that's really cool. It's from a really wise civilization. We're lucky to have it. Let's keep it in there or let's not even question it. And so you and I will both have a, a, a more likely than not, it's going to be released and you'd have to come up with really good answers why it shouldn't be. I think I have heard once or twice something or I was like, maybe, but still, but basically not really. And, but we want to get that. Uh, and so it's the whole thing about not being tricked by an entity that gives you a good sounding story. But if you really think about it, it really doesn't add up. And you also want to see, and is it negatively affecting somebody? Or what's the cost? And even if it isn't really costing them that much, is there a better way of doing it? And like you say, you open up a light language, there is a much better and easy way of doing it. And, you know, all of this stuff, anytime there's any emotion from the past or past life influence, it's all just out of date. All of this stuff, you're not my dad anymore. You know, you move on. It's Everything's out of date. So uh, anytime you're doing any th therapeutic resolution for any, you know, uh, emotional residue from when you're a kid, well, that's out of date. Be mature uh, now with the, and uh, I think that applies equally to this. But the important thing is not to be awed by uh, these things, not to be tricked or or to, and to have a spiritual authority and sovereignty and bring that in. And uh, I think that's where some people, uh, why they may allow it to be. So it's like, oh, but I found this device and it was actually perfectly okay because they gave me this and that reason. And I go, well, their reason sounds wise, but it's not that wise. So you got tricked. You got hoodwinked by them and convinced. Yeah. And they, they let, you know, and yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm fairly firm on that. It's also, you know, mental telepathy. You can talk mentally. You don't, you don't need uh, implants of any, any form, you know, uh, let's upgrade our skills and, and use our skills more wisely. Yeah, and you and your other uh, thing was, you know, really keep gathering information, learn the light language. But what you said as well was, uh, you know, once we've done the releasement, then ongoing therapy, just keep getting more and more information. Keep being curious and fascinated and learning instead of thinking you know and coming to a dead end, which is also, you know, not that great for the client. It's not violating. They may not feel violated, but they don't feel, you know, <laughs> Uh, you, you've only taken them to a certain point. And so when you do these regressions, you're talking about, and it's a classic thing in past life regression, does reconnect with past abilities. And so you can separate the learnings from the learner, as we mentioned before. So they're really clinging on to, I'm teaching them and I'm, but they've got those lessons and you, you can disconnect that. They can continue on with the learnings that they have and implement that without an umbilical cord. You know, yeah. if your mother really loves you, well, and she's walking around with umbilical. You know, you don't need your umbilical cord for the next forty years. You can cut it; it's okay. She and uh, or you know, you do need to mother that person until they're eighteen or whatever it is. How much education they need, and they can figure it out themselves. Let them go. 
you know? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so I think that's a, does that, does that uh, metaphor make sense? Or would you have another one? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And usually the, the thing that they need to learn from that lifetime is one skill. It's yeah. just one piece of the pie, just one tool that they need in their tool belt. And, you know, they're, they're a whole and complete person and it's just like going to university and getting one more qualification. It's just, or doing a course, it's just one piece of the pie. You do have as a team that you work with, uh, uh, archangels and, and a bunch of spirit helpers. So, uh, and that in a sense can be seen as, uh, being an otherworldly kind of a wisdom. So, and that's, that. so can you tell us a little bit about how you work, uh, with your, uh, a spirit team? <laughs> I've got quite a large, uh, I had to write a paper page. Oh, wow. Number, number of spirit guides. Uh, because what I found is depending upon on, on where you are in your life and the number of incarnations that you have journeyed through, there are different people that are like, different beings that are here to help you with different stages in your journey, right? Yeah. So, um, and it links very specifically to other incarnations that you have. So, um, I have a particular affinity for animals, right? Yeah. And so, so a lot of the past life work that I've done has been investigating. I've done separate regressions to discover and explore relationships with animals. So a lot of those animals will actually uh, work with me and help me in particular things. So, um, for example, I work with um, the very first uh, spirit being that brought me an earthbound spirit to cross over was uh, a wolf, white wolf. He's the one who identified that uh, I needed to do some work crossing over spirits. Um, uh, American bald eagle is my uh, one of my spirit um, animals as well. Um, I have my primary team that I identify with that I um, work with the most that I work with personally and then in the client work that I do. Um, Archangel Michael, um, uh, Archangel Raphael because we do a lot of healing. Um, Archangel Zadkiel, which not many people know very much about him. Uh, the other person that I identified with uh and do a lot of work with is you may call him jesus you may call him yeshua um and that's because of specific experiences that i've had in past lives he's very important to me from those specific experiences and from a lot of my very heavy dogmatic religious incarnations uh the spiritual theme of my soul's journey is to be involved in um the development of human understanding of reincarnation through spiritual experiences and the development of religion over time. So it's really important for me, uh, uh, the learnings that I've had in various religions. Um, so hence, I've had Buddhist incarnations, I've had um, Roman Catholic incarnations, you know, um, I've been monks in multiple different religions. Um, I've had um, Sikh uh, incarnations, like the religion is the theme for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Michael, Yeshua, Zadkiel and Raphael. Um, and then I have a little guy, Harry, who is an earthbound spirit that I crossed over this year that um, I have a very strong relationship with. And I actually have a past life connection with him, um, not from this lifetime, but from a previous lifetime. Um, so what I find is that for me, it's, it's very, um, the people that I work with, uh, because I've worked with them in other lifetimes um, and they help me specifically for specific tasks. So 
Yeah. Um, so, so how did you acquire these? Uh, and even being a psychic and a medium, was there, uh, what stage did you recognize that? And did you acquire or gather up this team bit by bit? So, so how did you, how did you form these helpers? Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> where to start? Uh, the Buddha was the first. So Buddha Shakamani is the very first one that I would, I identify with. Okay. Uh, because in the period of my divorce, um, I spent a lot of time in a Tibetan Buddhist monastery um, here in Queensland, and I'm, you know, had that past life insight with uh, the Geshe, and yeah. in a period of time when I was absolutely struggling and really, really down, trying to decide the ethics and the morality of stay or go, uh, uh, the Buddha appeared to me in a dream, and uh, I, I cried and I woke from the dream, and he basically said, "I will." I'm here to help you. I will be there for you. Mm. Um, so he was he was very influential for me um, in that period of my life. Um, it it makes sense. Snap, by the way. So for me, <laughs> that that's my first. And I just even just in terms of people who do spirit releasement therapy work, I think everyone is going to find. In fact, even if Archangel Michael comes up for you, sooner or later you're probably going to be doing spirit releasement work. And this is right, what we're talking yes. about, these these wisdom traditions. And I think that's part of your spiritual authority, but also part of the real clarity. I had, uh, you know, very overwhelming experiences. And in that, a Buddha came to me and it was like, this is a life raft. In the, in the turmoil of spiritual confusion and uh, mixed messaging and all of this stuff, here's clarity, here's peace and calm. And I think whatever kind of work you're doing, whatever it is that you need, and uh like find some sort of base like that and and it's great that you have and i think that empowered you and that's your starting point and from there heal yourself heal others but uh, yeah so that's great so that's yeah so, so just to, just to, yeah it just depends on the on the situation um uh yeshua or jesus however you want to call him uh for me I was brought up Christian and so it was a big struggle, not a struggle, it was a big uh, question when I switched over and spent a lot of time in the Tibetan Buddhism world. I was like, am I being disloyal? Uh, it was a big conflict between me and my ex-husband. My family didn't understand. And um, uh, Jesus or Yeshua um, was one person that I always seen when I closed my eyes yeah. and never understood why. Um, I had a podcast interview with uh, uh, medium Courtney Dillon who channels the Ascended Masters and I said to her, you know, I'm born on Christmas Eve, 9pm, I always joke that Jesus and I are best friends and um, I said I always see, her behind, see him when I go closed eyes and, um, you know, I feel like he's a guide but I feel like that's a ridiculous thing to say and she just kind of looked at me and went, mm, well, you know, there might be something and you might want to have a look into it. And then, you know, um, uh, I was pretty fiercely brought into some past lives where I understood the real connection and uh, the struggles that I have had in past lives, which are on my podcast. You know, there's uh, the one where I'm a, a monk in the Westminster, what's now Westminster Abbey, and um, the spiritual lessons that I was learning about the difference between religious doctrine and what I knew at a soul level and the conflict that I had. Um, uh, one uh, lifetime at the actual time of Jesus, not in his followers or disciples or anything, but a different role. Um, and then when I do healing through the Akashic lifetimes after these really particularly difficult uh, religious lifetimes, 
Jesus has been there to supervise the healing to show me that uh, I've had a role in in this for humanity um, and that there's no disloyalty and then he'll bring in others to show me that there's no disloyalty between religions it's all all part of a learning and that I've learned over different lifetimes different religions in order to uh, evolve my soul and I'll involve the difference between the truth and doctrine and um, so that's why they will only show me a guide um when i unlock a lifetime that it's relevant to pretty much okay yeah that's great and so that your past life regression experience on yourself helped you access and understand spiritual entities and divinities that could help you and so uh, and, yeah. and 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 they're helping you directly it sounds like i and uh, I, I find i don't i wouldn't necessarily say i have a spiritual team that helps me uh, or do any direct ways of bring them up or working with them. I wouldn't use that kind of terminology, but I didn't have a, uh, a Christian background at all. I might've been a bit averse to it. I went around Europe and didn't go to the church as I wasn't interested. But then when I learned Buddhism, I would meditate and Jesus would pop into my meditations all the time. I'm like, dude, I was looking for Buddha. What are you doing here? And so it's the kind of thing where, we're, you know, whether you want it or not, that, that surprise factor, but I think indirectly, uh, and you do have to do a bit of the, the research and the spiritual practice, but you may, uh, and I think they're helping a lot of healers indirectly, but the more that you can work on your own spiritual path helps. Uh, but in terms of, and so with, so maybe you uh, have, uh, maybe you're not sure if there are people helping. I'd say a lot of people who may not say they've got a spiritual team, they are being helped indirectly. But are there things that you do uh, directly to work with uh, a, a specific team that you're very uh, consciously aware of? Uh, yeah, so uh, because I do a lot of crossing over work, I, I uh, work very uh, directly with um, Azrael. Um, and uh, Michael all the time. He's just always there. My clients always, always mention him in sessions. Like even if I don't even use the word, they will say something that will make me laugh. It's like... Uh, to confirm that he's there like he's a very funny very funny being and he's not presented that way in traditional literature and dogma and um you know what the well, very that, first experience where sorry that's right i mean he's they're presented with swords yeah and, but but i think what happened is people took that very literally whereas i think i see that as a sword of wisdom which is cutting through the nonsense and the stories and the misleadings that things will try and do so I think the sword is, and it's the, and then you cut through the BS by laughing at these nonsense stories that semi-wise beings try and tell you. So that's what the sword's for. It's not for going there and kicking ass. It's for having a sense of humor and being very clear, a razor sharp mind, not, oh, yeah. not a physical, you know, exorcism like that. Great, great yeah, distinction. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's hilarious. I mean, the first time that I had a client um, actually mention him because, you know, um, I, one of the things that people say to me is that they don't know they have a spirit guide. So the first thing we do is we, we introduce them to the spirit guide. We do the test like you taught, which is cold, warm, which one's which, uh, do the validation checking. And, um, you know, was my, my, uh, we did, we did a session, past life regression session and, um, I was doing the talking and then the client said to me, oh, by the way, I just really have to tell you that Archangel Michael says, and then he goes, tip, tips hat. Okay. And um, from then on, all my clients would do something funny where they mentioned 
what Archangel Michael said to me as a, a joke or a reference or um, uh, they would say, oh, Michael says to tell you, well done. He wasn't sure if you knew he was here, but yes, he was. Or um, he's become bolder and more frank, like to the point that recently um, uh, <laughs> I was confirming an attachment, right, doing a spirit releasement session. And I was like, okay, Archangel Michael, there's an attachment here. I want to confirm that I think this is actually a um, device. This is a device from an ET. Is this correct? And he said, well, what do you reckon? And um, then I was told very specifically through a mediumship session afterwards from a friend, she said, Archangel Michael says to tell you he's stepping back for a while because you are using him as a crutch. And um, he wants you to develop your um, skills and to know and trust your abilities and to not need to prove them so much and to not need reinforcement from him. So he's stepping back for a while because um, you're not using your, your over-relying on guides. I, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. I think, I think people can have a tendency to look up to excessively. And but by doing that, they are giving away some of their own spiritual authority, which is not necessary because you yeah. can have it. But, you know, it's, you know, it is at some point you do have to build up that authority by doing the spiritual practice and getting the training and putting the years in. But absolutely, once you're at that point, uh, yeah, so that that's a great tran transition phase. So, yeah, I do see that uh, as part of that process. Yeah, so that's really cool to hear. Uh, yeah, it's part of your confidence. Confidence. It's it's you know it's like taking the training wheels off um, and knowing that if you need the support, they will be there in a heartbeat, half a heartbeat. But um, you know you have to grow up at some stage and just uh, it's that spiritual strength, the inner spiritual strength and sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah, and and a lot of it's experience as well. So this comes back to that point about you know how do I know if an ET device needs to be released? And here's one of the stories that you'll hear. From the people and so it's like you know i i was their mother in a past life i'm an et now that put it in well it doesn't really add up to me uh you know they, they can drop their training wheels and be a big boy now you know <laughs> uh but the other the other aspect of it is people might say uh their higher self agreed to it at that time and then they like oh well in that case then everything's fine well what does their higher self think now <laughs> you know yes. oh well actually it's updated Oh, and so, so a lot of times people gather information, but they stop and you have to really uh, uh, dig out, be really an investigative journalist. And so a lot of these reasons why people do allow attachments to continue, I think it just, hey, they haven't dug deep enough and, they have, and, and it's a matter of experience. And, uh, and part of that can be because, you know, and then what, well, where, then they may ask, well, where, where's your spiritual authority coming from? And it can be your own spiritual practice, but it's also my view is this. Let's bring in Archangel Michael and Yeshua and ask them. And so, you know, I can have a spiritual authority and tell them and, and pick apart, give them enough rope and, and say this doesn't really add up and they'll agree with it. But that I would often do what do that and bring in spiritual guides and have their take on it. And I've never had them say, oh, actually, it was a good idea. She agreed to it and she needs to keep it. They, they're always exactly of that same mind or, or, or they can add uh, extra explanation or uh, reaffirming an extra authority uh, and so that's one thing as well you may even if if you if you and that's something that if you've got a view that they're there and they should be and i'll let them then 
you're actually there's almost an uh, you're actually exercising a more authority than i would which is you're making a decision on how it should or shouldn't be so i'm not deciding they should be released i'm really digging in and and what we're doing as well is also like double checking in a lot of ways does it make sense and then we'll bring in uh these uh michael uh yeshua spiritual authorities and see what they think or their own their current version of their higher self or spirit guides and see what they say and uh yeah and absolutely yeah yeah, we we always have to see ourselves as the facilitator and the guide, and that the the their team, their soul, their higher self are in charge, and you're just facilitating the process. Yep, that's but how I. See. Absolutely right, and and yet it is such a balance, and I think uh, as they said, like we're facilitators, but we don't uh, hand over all the authority to the higher self or the spirit guide, and it, there's that point if you do that. And you'll and and if the, if you're allowed to do that, to be honest, what it means is you're not ready to have your training wheels taken off yet. But the minute that you are, they will tell you and say, "Don't overly rely on us." So on one hand, absolutely, we are there to guide them or to to facilitate and be a guide and not to impose our own views. But at a certain point, what I find in complex situations is that it really is up to us to really take the lead just much more important spirit releasement therapy than any other one and to and to really do the work ourselves. so i think there can be a tendency in this kind of work to i'm really nothing and i'm just going to let the spirit guide do everything for us and to have the spirit guide say hey buddy actually the human really has a lot of power here and they really should be doing this work and not relying on us that that degree but after a while becomes a fault i think that's a really important phase but, you know, if you're mm. still in that phase, that's perfectly fine. But eventually you won't be. And to, for you to get that message, I think is really great. And this is also when you're doing spirit releasement, you do need to really be able to do a lot of the work, uh, right, you know, uh, and not leave it all up to the guides. So it's great to have guides, great to work with them directly. But at the end of the day, the agency and sovereignty and power really comes from the therapist. And they, I think they really need to own that. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, morally and spiritually the appropriate thing to do. And if you, if you doubt it, ask you guides and, uh, and, and they'll say, well, that makes sense, but not quite yet. Or it is, we've been waiting for you to say this for, for so long. How many more lifetimes are you going to go doing this? You know, you've got it. Excellent. Let's, uh, let's get to the next phase. Then maybe. Yeah. You go, yeah. yeah. I, 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 and it, you know, our development, uh, is entwined with, with the experiences you know every time you do a new client you learn more yeah you learn more about yourself um you gain more confidence you gain more skills so it is a continual process you're not you don't wake up a guru you're continually evolving there it's a great point i mean i can sit here and say that after you know 18 years of full time so you know uh but and and, yeah as a teacher it's really nice to and so you know and to see other teachings like they may be appear to be di- directly contradictory, but they are the, they are all true, which is it's true. You know, and the Buddha would do this as well. You know, people that ask him, "Is their RETs real or not?" Yes, they are. Another one would say, "Are they are they real or not?" And so absolutely no, they're not. It seems like they're wrong, but they're both the right answer for the right person. And so this is one thing as well. If people have different teachings, or I'm a teacher and they hear another teacher and we appear to be contradicting ourselves. Uh, I, I don't think te- real teachers really contradict themselves. I think uh, the they talk to what the student needs, and mm. uh, and and one thing can be then as a student not to buy into my teacher versus your teacher, and this is right and this is wrong. 
I think you can have two totally different teachings that are both uh, exactly right according to the situation and the person that's involved and the level that they're at. So that's one thing yeah. as well. So a lot of people might think, oh, you know, uh, Mark and Katisha saying one thing, my other person said this, there's a, there's a contradiction where if you dig deeper into it, there may be, it may be a lot con less contradictory than one thinks. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and you always um, hear the advice that you need to hear at that time, which may uh, prompt you to investigate and change your mind later. It's, it's part of the learning process, you know, and it's also part of the process of saying, uh, just because a teacher said this to me, how does it resonate with me? You know, let me form my own opinion. And that may firstly involve you believing 100% what a teacher says and then going, no, actually, that's not my experience. And then forming your own belief. That's that's part of the process as well. Yeah, I've, I've found I've heard things and thought, you know, that's that's incorrect. I don't believe it. Uh, it's wrong. And, and I was right for three years. And then I remembered it and it became a big, it went from being <laughs> wrong to being right. All that happened yeah. was, was time and uh, yeah. passed by. Uh, but yeah, there's one of those, those those little seeds as well. So uh, if if it doesn't click now, maybe it clicks later, and uh, and you get it as as experience goes on. Yeah. So awesome. any so any uh, any key principles for you that 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 you learn from doing this kind of work? Uh... Yeah. Well, one is to um, I've really learned about uh, the importance of exploring and continually learning about yourself. Um, and being open to understanding the contradictions of your different lives and how they there's no such thing as good and bad in terms of a lifetime that's what past life regression has really thought has taught me from the contrasting lifetimes that i've had uh, it helps me view history differently um, understand people and the roles that they have played in humanity differently um, it's also helped me to um i've learned a lot about spirit guides in terms of um checking, um, making sure they are who they say they are. And uh, for, you know, having some uh, grain of doubt so that you can check why you would have that spirit guide so that there's a reason for that spirit guide, because if there's no reason for that spirit guide, then they're probably not that spirit guide. It's probably something, something else, something false. Um, I've found from my own experience that the spirit guides that I have there's a really personal reason and it's linked to something that is a, a soul growth. Um, and that's why I can be a hundred percent certain that that person is that person because I have not just experience now, but I have other experiences with that um, being that can be explained through other past lives. Um, and that then solidifies my confidence and understanding because it's a relationship that's building and has built over the journey that I've gone through. Yeah, that's great. So is there something you would uh, tell people who are interested in doing this kind of healing work or interested in being clients and working with you? Well, if you've listened to this and there's a reason, <laughs> that's always the thing I always say that if you've stumbled across a podcast on a topic or if you've researched it, then there's probably a reason why you, you're interested. It's probably time for you to learn about that. Um, I would highly recommend anybody go on to your website and uh, learn the principles about that we've been talking about. Your courses are ridiculously amazing priced. Um, they can go on your website or to Udemy. There's no harm in learning. You never know why you need to understand something and always understand that uh, you're not going insane. If you feel like 
you have um, experiences that need to be released or thoughts that need to be released, there's a reason for that. Um, they're coming up for healing and dig deep, just dig deep. Um, don't be afraid of your own past, your own uh, versions of yourself. Everything has a learning. And if you're bold enough and brave enough to and really embrace that learning, you learn so much about yourself. It's just the best personal development ever. Yeah. So the courses that I do uh, can help people understand and see if this is a match. And uh, you can have a look at Katisha's uh, website and YouTube, where she's got a lot of uh, information and a lot of experience. You can see how she works. You've heard how she how she deals with things. So if you click with that, a next step can be a lot of times is you know once you see that media presence, the next thing can be reach out and have a, an, a personal interactive experience. Uh, and so you know there's a certain amount of study that you can do. But once you feel that, okay, I've got some rapport or connection or some curiosity or feel that this is something that is going to be useful for me, the interactive phase of it is really important. And Katish and I both give sessions to deal with that. So it can be really interactive. And then you can have that real experiential uh, way of understanding it. So there's only so much you can get reading a book or seeing podcasts or videos uh, to experience it yourself from the inside. Everyone's unique. And, uh, and you can see how that goes. So the journey can continue experientially absolutely yeah. yeah so uh so yeah any any last words before we wrap it up uh in fact did i get oh, it right so did i get it right with your website and your socials how people can contact you yep that's perfect the, the website is the main place that i put everything um podcasts everything is all on the website so yeah just go have a go have a look and um like for your website fill out an application form if that's if it's of interest Cool. Sounds great. So I encourage anyone to, to do that. Uh, yeah. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Great to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening or watching. To find out more about my guest, see the links in the description for details. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training in hypnosis or hypnotherapy or regression to this life, past lives, between lives or spirit releasement therapy, then visit my website, thepastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Thanks so much for watching or listening and see you next time.